You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. This week, we're speaking about renovation for the first time in over 200 episodes. And it's for the first time because it's the first time I've found someone I trust to give us some great advice on renovation in Western Australia as well as the fact that it's probably one of the first times in the cycle where I see this as being a viable option for people in contrast to building, for example. The person we trust here today to talk about all things renovation in Western Australia is Julie Anglesey from Renovating Made Easy. Julie, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks for inviting me, Trent. This is exciting. Well, it's a great opportunity, I think, for a lot of people listening today who I know have given me feedback over the years that they'd like to hear more on renovation as a strategy. We focus a lot on property development, subdivision, long-term ownership, obviously commercial development we've spoken about. We haven't spoken about renovation. And as I said, I think now's the time people will start looking into it, not only because of the increased replacement cost of property, which makes existing houses more valuable and more in demand than ever but also because the downside risk is probably mitigated given the position we have in the demand supply relationship in the market right now even if you did the worst renovation just simply holding property in Perth right now doesn't have a lot of downside risk. So I think it's, it is definitely the time to talk about it today. So what we'll do today, as I think, is go through some of your key strategies, some of the locations you like to work in, the price points, some of the opportunities you see in Perth right now, and also some of the risks, some of the no-nos. There's a lot of people moving into property for the first time, I think they like to get their hands dirty but come up with really no experience and, and start to learn those lessons. If we can learn them from your experiences, why not, hey? Yep, that so, sounds great. So let's talk about maybe one of the projects you've been working on recently, something that you've purchased recently. You've just picked up a property in Waikiki. Why is it? And tell us everything you can about it. The reason that I've gone for this one in Waikiki is because it's in a really good location. It's beachside of the sort of main drag, so that's a good location in that area. It's a house that hasn't been looked after, so that's definitely up my alley. I like to, you know, the worse it looks, the better, basically. Four bedroom, two bathroom. So it's a real family home in a family neighbourhood, but it just doesn't look like a family home right now. So we've been able to pick that up in this low to mid 400s and we'll probably spend around $85,000 on the renovation Mm. and we are looking to sell in the low to mid 600s. We'll go into more detail from there, but a couple of key points in picking up already. One, you're buying in and below the median house price in Waikiki. Two, you've purchased in an area that clearly has a lot of pressure on it right now. I I believe Waikiki received upwards of about 20% growth last year. So it has a lot of pressure on the buying side. I know that a massive amount of East Coasters are looking at Waikiki and Secret Harbour and this whole wing down on the coast south of Perth as a destination for their money. So there's a lot of pressure already in the market. So minimal downside risk. You bought a four by two. So family home, probably the most scope for upsizing the price and at low 400s, if you think about a four by two on a full block, the land is probably worth 250 to 300 grand at least. To replace that house brand mm. new, a four by two right now, we're paying $350,000. Absolutely. So there is your opportunity, right? Yes. So let's go into detail a little bit more about your strategy here. Obviously, time is a real factor. Can you talk to us firstly about how you min-max that time and what Mm -hmm. is an acceptable time frame for you these days in getting in and out of a project, all those steps? 
Yes. So even though the market is really good at the moment and it sort of seems that the longer we're in the market, the more uplift that we're getting, I haven't always worked in this kind of market. So I still concentrate on trying to get in and out very quickly because I've got more control over the outcome then. So we had our offer accepted on the 12th of April and we will probably settle on this property in about four to six weeks. We've actually given the owner time to try and get some of his stuff out because he's got a lot of stuff in there so it's kind of up to him so I'm not really sure on settlement date yet but I plan to execute the renovation in between six and eight weeks. From settlement or from from now? uh, From settlement yes so during this settlement period I will plan the renovation I'll be contacting all of my trades I'll be getting my quotes in so I'll have a full project management outline done prior to settlement so that we can get started on settlement day to start getting straight into it. So you get your keys in four to six weeks. Yep. What's the first thing you're doing? Who's the first guy you're getting in there? How does it roll out? Get the electrician and plumber in. We'll be taking out the kitchen. So I want to make sure that the services there are capped off before we start demolishing. Then I'll get my handyman in to start demolishing for me. So I actually don't do any of the actual physical work on the property myself I get trades and which is smart yeah (laughs) Yeah. your time should be spent project managing and looking for the next site yes so we'll get the demo done kitchen demo probably bathroom laundry and on or the the ensuite in this particular property has already been taken out so it's actually just a blank slate that's great for us looks terrible but at least we don't have to demolish it so that's good probably start lifting up the floor coverings some of the things I'll do is advertise the kitchen and some of the floor coverings on marketplace see if people want to come and take them out themselves for free so that saves me in skip bin costs and labor costs once it's a clear slate we'll probably start with a little bit of landscaping as well I like to get the landscaping started early so that the lawns can get greened up the gardens can start growing and you know just give it a good chance to look nicely established by settlement then the plumbing for the bathrooms and the laundry the kitchen designer I usually get a kitchen designer to come in because I'm not a designer myself so I like to make sure that we're going to get the best kitchen design for the property and for the target market that we're trying to appeal to. Not cheap kitchens these days or bathrooms. That's true. But if you buy each item separately, so usually I start with Bunnings, I'll price them up at Bunnings and then I'll get some quotes from other kitchen suppliers, just see how they compare. I can usually do a full kitchen for under $10,000, including the appliances and the splashback tiling. And, And at this price point, that's what you're sort of budgeting for? I guess you've got a number in your head every time. Look, if I'm buying at this sort of price point, the kitchen can only cost this much, the bathroom's going to cost this much, the floor can get this much, yep. paints this much. That would obviously be a part of, a, I guess, a schedule, a spreadsheet that you're continually updating, right? Yes, definitely. And what I do for each property is I go through the property and take photos of each of the rooms, particularly areas that need doing. And I'll go home to my spreadsheet, like start a new spreadsheet each time. I'll go through the real estate online photos to remind me of what the rooms all look like. Then I'll compare my own photos and then start putting in detailed estimates as much as possible for each of the items, just so that I'm clear that if I'm thinking at the top of my head it's going to be a $50,000 renovation and it really turns out to be 85000 I don't want that sort of surprise. Mm. I really want to have most things itemised in my spreadsheet before we put in the offer. We've had the kitchen renovated. Hopefully we get that in and out for ten grand there. 
What's a bathroom look like these days in price points? It's probably around the same, maybe the eight to 10,000 and an ensuite probably once again. If you've got a really small ensuite, it can be a bit less, but really it's the trades that cost the money, particularly the plumbers yep. and probably the electricians. Uh, both plumbers and electricians' prices have gone up a fair bit over the last couple of years, so I'd just like to make sure that I've factored in a fair bit for that as well. When it comes to kitchens and bathrooms, are there any must-haves, any things where you go, well, look, this is where the value is, we need to make sure we've got those in there? Kitchens, it's plenty of bench space. Usually they would like a dishwasher, but if you're in a cheaper suburb and the target buyer is a single person, say, the dishwasher is not necessarily that important if it's a small kitchen. They would rather have the cupboard space and the bench space. So always knowing who your target buyer is, is vital so that you can actually make those decisions as to what the must-haves are in the kitchen. But yeah, new appliances always go well. In stone a- bench tops? Waikiki, what yeah, are we thinking? Yeah, I think we'll be going stone bench tops. I think it would be you have to be a really cheap suburb these days to not go stone bench top, given the price difference anyway is not going to be ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. We're talking $1,000 or so dollars between Laminex and, yes, that's true. and stone. Do you keep it simple? You know, white yes. colours, bit of gloss? Yep. Even though colours, trends are changing a little bit in kitchens, it's really a personal choice as to what colours people like. So You're looking for the least objectionable colours, right? Absolutely. And then we can just put colours in with the accessories when we stage the property for sale. Are you looking to roll out pretty much the same products every time? Have you got a bit of a a model these days where you know exactly what your products are going to be? You can price them pretty easily. You get them from the same place. You could be really rolling around 20 different houses in Waikiki in a couple of years and throwing the same colour palette in there, couldn't you? You could, but I do also find that buyers are getting a little bit sick of the cookie cutter whites and greys. So I like to take each house individually and see what the features are that are already there that we can retain. So for instance, if it was a 70s house with slate flooring in it, I would look at potentially keeping the slate floor and working with it. It's expensive to get rid of, isn't it? Yes, it is. If it was an 80s house with terracotta tiles throughout, I would probably be keeping those. That terracotta colour is back in fashion and you can sort of tone it down with really natural accessories and wood around it and make it look really modern and trendy. And it's a way of saving money on the flooring because the flooring is quite a large expense because you've usually got a big floor area in Perth houses. Let's segue to flooring for a second. What's your go-to? Is it vinyl plank? Is it timber laminate? Is it tile? Vinyl plank. Mm. I also really like houses around Quinana that have got the Jarrah floorboards. That's even better because that's cheaper to do to polish the polish floorboards yeah, yeah. than actually laying new flooring. Is it still around the three to $4,000 mark? It is, yes. So these houses in the Quinana area are smallish houses. So they're usually around the three to three and a half thousand mark. If it was a larger house, you're probably looking at four thousand to four and a half thousand. But to put new flooring throughout there, you're looking at easily seven to ten thousand dollars for new flooring, depending upon the size of the house. I assume we're always getting a repaint? Always, yes. It's the smell of it as well, isn't it? It is the smell and it's the freshness of it and it's the colours too because often, even if you walk through a house and it's an an off-white colour, often it's a slightly dated colour. Just find out what the latest trends are in the whites. If you are putting new flooring down, say like the vinyl planks and you've got oak look floor, so it's like got a really nice warm natural colour to it, you probably want to get some colour sample pots from Bunnings and just try a few different whites and see which one 
goes best, but definitely painting all the walls. I don't always paint the ceilings. Sometimes they've been repainted for sale and they're white anyway, so that's fine, or they've been repainted fairly recently. I try and save money if I can by not getting the ceilings painted. Let's go outside. Fencing. Let's yep. say we've got an asbestos fence. Yep. It's cracking in places. Do you ever spend that money on what is a pretty expensive replacement? I do. In one I did in Callista this year, the whole side boundary fence was leaning over quite significantly into the neighbour's yard. We replaced that with a colour bond fence because trying to prop it up was just going to be a little bit too problematic. But the other fences around the property, I I just kept because they weren't in such bad condition. We put in a woodland grey colour bond fence down the new fence and then we painted all the rest of the asbestos fences woodland grey mm. so that the whole yard looked in tune with itself. Great backdrop for all the greenery and the established trees in the backyard. So yeah, I try and see what I can retain as much as possible. When it comes to landscaping, you, know, you could spend $50,000 on a property landscaping. Obviously, you're not spending that much, but do you have a budget you like to keep to there? Are there certain items that you think are must-haves? Just say in Quinana, where I've done quite a few, the, the blocks are very big. So you've got a lot of lawn. And so to reticulate those, they're not normally reticulated because it's a you know a cheap suburb. To reticulate those, I don't think is necessarily the best use of money. Whilst I'm doing the renovation, I will just keep watering the lawns. I'll have that sprinkler on all the time out the front and the back so that the lawns are really green. However, in a suburb like Waikiki, families, they're busy. I would definitely won't be wanting to put in reticulation if it's not already there. Statement pieces in terms of trees and bushes, mulch, are these things you're always doing? Yes, I just try and work with whatever trees are already there. I, one in Hilton, I put some fruit trees in there because I figured that that would appeal to the target market. But generally, I'll work with what's already there and definitely put mulch around the gardens. It really makes a huge difference. If you had a top five of items that you say, look, these are non-negotiable investments in every renovation, what would that be? Definitely the kitchen, but it doesn't need to necessarily be a brand new kitchen. You just need to look at that kitchen and see what is the best way to make this a really modern, functional kitchen. So if it's a kitchen that's in really good condition, but it's the wrong colour, say, you can either replace the cupboard doors or you can paint them. You can put new handles on the doors so that they look more modern. And if you were going to retain cupboards, but the bench was still not a nice colour, you could potentially just replace the bench. But I would always replace the splashback because the splashbacks usually date kitchens. So definitely the kitchen. Same with the bathrooms. Just look at them. They don't necessarily have to be completely replaced. Clean those floor tiles, get in a clear glass shower screen, change the taps, that kind of thing. That's number one. Number two would be flooring. Make sure that it is decent flooring. Uh, as I said, you don't need to re replace it necessarily, but you need to make sure it's in really good condition. Clean it, maybe even re-grout if that's necessary. Good flooring needs to be considered, number two. Painting, definitely, number three. You want to make sure that you've got on-trend colours for your paint. And if you've got skirting boards, you want to do those white gloss with the door frames, white gloss, windowsills white gloss even though a lot of people like the wood architrave they don't necessarily look that great on they're a, a niche market aren't they they are if you're a designer and you know what you're doing then i would probably keep those but if you're just someone wanting to renovate a house either for a tenant or for sale i would be painting those white fourth thing that i would always do is the landscaping you've got to make sure that it's really neat and tidy clean 
green and looking like it's fairly low maintenance, even if it's not. So just have it fairly uncluttered. And with that green landscaping, it really helps with the inside of the house when buyers are walking through because there's always a window in every house usually looking out onto the garden. So when they feel that connection to the garden, it actually makes them feel connected to the house. So have that as green as possible. Number five is window treatments. Once again, I don't always replace them all. So sometimes there's vertical blinds that are in fairly good condition. I would never personally put vertical blinds in a house. However, if it's got the vertical blinds, then I would just make sure that they're clean and then put sheer white curtains over the top so that the room looks really lovely and soft, freshly painted, new floor coverings, etc. nice furniture. But people can look at the window and think, yeah, we can block this off from the sun and privacy. If I do need to put in a new window covering, I would usually either use the white horizontal blinds or the white roller blinds, depending on what the look of the house is. And I usually get them from Spotlight when they've got 40% off sales on and just get them cut down to window size. Very innovative there. What about air conditioning? Yeah, at least in the lounge room and potentially in the master bedroom as well. One thing that's popped to my mind here in terms of the sale, and we'll get to that in uh, the sale stages soon, but do you always invest in staging? I do, always. I've always thought, at least for the last few years, it's become nearly a mandatory and not because people expect it but because I think there's enough data to show these days that there is a a multiplier there is a return on investment yep I totally agree with that and there I've seen a lot of evidence of an empty house selling for say 40 to 50,000 less than the same sort of house that's staged so I've definitely seen that how do you do it what do you budget for it who do you get it from I have had a few different stages over the years currently I've got this gorgeous lady who actually lives in Bustleton and comes up to stage our furniture stage our houses which is really cool but I would always go with the actual real furniture in the house as opposed to the virtual furniture getting back to what I said before about buyers feeling connected when they're looking and feeling the greenery from the garden coming through the windows you really want those buyers connected to that house as they're walking in and that's where you get the multiple office situation as well because you've got a couple of people falling in love with the property and the staging furniture absolutely helps with that. What are you spending on it? Usually around three and a half to four thousand dollars. I think you can furnish most houses pretty well with most companies in that price range as well. So that's our renovation there. Six to eight weeks is your target time frame. Yep. And then we're looking to get it on the market, obviously. Yes. What's the process there? I always go with a local agent, one that is very active in the area hopefully someone that also lives in the area because they're very passionate about the suburb. Do you lean on them for advice? Yes, definitely. I quite often ask them throughout the renovation. I get them through halfway through the renovation as well so they can see where I'm going with it and if they've got any more tweaks that they would like me to do. They've got that database of buyers in that area. They're Mm. doing the home opens in the area. They're talking to people. They can probably give you a lot of confidence about what your end value could be, I assume, when you're doing your due diligence on the front end too. Yes, Yeah, so I try to choose the agent before I even buy because I don't want to get too much information from, say, three different agents. Basically use them up, I suppose, Mm. and then not go with them. It is about relationships. It is. So if we think about the way we've gone so far, we've purchased a property for mid to low 400s last week. We're going to spend the next few weeks project managing until settlement in, I assume, end of May. By that time, you're going to spend June and July getting this thing renovated and then it's going to hit the market end of July. Yes. You've spoken to low 400s, 85 grand for this renovation, low 600 is for a value. What are we looking to make here? 
There should be $60,000 profit in it. And let's just see if we can sell a bit higher, then there's a bit more profit. And that will lead me to my next question is, uh, I would pose to you that the devil's advocate position to renovating is that it generally doesn't work in a market that is trending downwards because there's too much risk in terms of transacting in the first place, including the transaction costs that come with property. And that it does work when the market's on the way up. Uh, And then the question would then be, how much of flipping and renovating for profit is actually just buying really well and selling really well three or four months later in a market that is rising? Could you provide a little bit of your thoughts on that? I can see particularly currently people are probably buying properties a bit higher than I would like to pay for them and they are definitely benefiting from that market uplift and I do sometimes wonder whether if that market was neutral and not rising, whether they would have actually made some money. So I definitely see your point there. But when the market is not rising like this, then there's less competition for a start. So you do have the opportunity, as long as you've done your numbers right, you've got the opportunity to buy the property at the price that you need to get it for in order to do the renovation, spend the money and then sell it. I first started renovating for profit around 2013, did two properties in that first year. So then in 2015, I started doing renovation flips basically with joint venture partners and the market was not great at all. We were still able to earn profit from these properties because we were able to buy them at the right price, know exactly how much we needed to spend on the renovation and also know what the selling price was going to be. And that is because I make sure that I renovate them very quickly. Mm. So when the market is trending down, it's a very good reason to be able to renovate them very quickly so that... Time's your biggest risk factor here Yes, in good times and bad. And obviously you've demonstrated over the last 10 years in all parts of the cycle in Western Australia, the massive upsides, the downsides, the dead times, the upsides again. And now we're in a situation where you're obviously competing again for property to renovate. You're competing for work. But once you've secured that property at the price you'd need, you'd have a good level of confidence that once you've done this renovation, you've done it properly, there is a a lot of upside in terms of where the market could go for ready-made family homes. And when I'm doing my feasibility and coming up with my end sale price, I'm still trying to not overestimate that because I've come through the market that I've been through. I don't want to necessarily count on this market still going up even in three months' time. So I just want to still be a little bit conservative with my numbers. Today, we've spoken about properties at the three, four, $500,000 price mark. Do you see a lot of opportunities at the $1 million price mark where you're buying into a really old property in, let's say, Melville, for example, mm-hmm. where property can be seven, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars It can also be $1.7 million. Mm-hmm. You're buying a dodgy old 4 by 2 with good bones and doing the same thing and looking to make more like $400,000 in the same time frame? Yes, I definitely think that that's a market to look into for sure. I personally haven't looked into Melville, but I've recently been looking into North Perth, potentially pick up a four-bedroom, one-bathroom or a three-bedroom, one-bathroom. Low ones, 1.3, something like that. Yep. 1.2. Then cosmetic renovation you could potentially do if the house is big enough, just get an extra bathroom in there and make it into a three by two. Or you could do a structural renovation and add a bit onto the back to make it like a really super cool house. And just say North Perth where I've been looking, those sorts of houses can be being sold for the high one millions. So Mm. there would definitely be profit in that too. So 
I think there's a lot of opportunities in Perth right now in a lot of different suburbs and you can't be an area expert in every single suburb either. So. That's a great point, right? Stick to what you know. And as we alluded to before, you could literally just keep washing through your same model in, in a suburb like Waikiki, making 50, 60 grand every four months, have a couple of them on the go as you make enough money and start to scale that in, in a time frame. And then once you feel like that's saturated itself, move on to the next suburbs. It's very much a possibility right now in Western Australia and not to mention what we said before is you can nearly become an expert in just buying cheap and selling a couple months later. Mm -hmm. Not many people do that. Most people are either subdividers, developers or long-term holders as either renters or owner-occupiers. Most people don't have the stomach to buy a property, know they've got it at a good price and then flip it two months later for 30, 40 grand. Mm -hmm. They'd rather hold it for 20 years and make two, three hundred thousand dollars. But there is a strategy there and you've done it before, haven't you? Yes, as far as just buying at the right price and then flipping it immediately Mm. because I bought it so well. Yes, it was the 23rd of December a couple of years ago. I went to a bank mortgagee auction and I was the only bidder. So I was able to secure the property for $40,000 less than what the bank's reserve price was because they just wanted to clear it before Christmas. Before we left the property for the day after securing it, I spoke to the agent and I said, was there anyone here that was willing to purchase this not under the auction terms? And he said, yes, there was. And I said, well, can you approach them and ask them if they want to... Basically, we bought it for 300000 And I asked the agent to approach them and ask them if they were willing to pick it up for three fifty, which was still a good price for them. We agreed on 346000 So I basically flipped that property in a day yep. at the settlement. Take your stamp, dude, you made 30 grand. Yep. Those opportunities are still out there. Even in a nuts market like this, there are still gaps. If you're hungry enough, there are still places where people are a little bit busy over Easter or Christmas mm-hmm. or, or a rainy weekend and the bank auction is happening. Most people aren't keen on being a part of an auction. So if you can get your ducks in line and be a part of these situations, we did an episode maybe 30, 40 weeks ago with Rash Danjo on distressed properties. Those op- opportunities still do exist in Western Australia if you have the time and effort to look for them. Yep. You're going to flip this one in Waikiki. Are your eyes set on North Perth next? Potentially North Perth, but I'm still liking Quinana for a cheap one. I'd like to do one with my son. Yeah, I'm always looking around Quinana as well. Quinana's at that price point where you can still pick up some pretty dodgy old houses mm-hmm. there in the 300s yep. and sell it for something in the mid to high 400s, right? Yes, correct. And a big difference in that is really just presentation. It really is. And the renovations don't cost that much because, as I said earlier, the floorboards polishing is cheaper than putting in new flooring. Yeah, and the houses are pretty small. They're yep. on big blocks. A lot of it is very much just attracting the right buyer who's looking for a ready-to-move-in product. And, yes. And I want to expand a bit more on this. A big reason that this is working right now, in my opinion, in Western Australia is the increase in replacement costs for houses. What's happened in the last three years with this building boom is that house that cost $250,000 three years ago to build is now three fifty. The house that cost five hundred dollars is now seven fifty. That gap in replacement cost is, is essentially blocked out all new supply, all new building options for people. And it's made the established market start to come up to meet that replacement cost over time. What that has done is essentially increase the value of already depreciated houses that depreciated 20 years ago mm-hmm. because you just can't build them for that price again. And a lot of that is those really solid late 80s to late 90s four by two, four by one brick houses. Those properties will last for decades. Yes. They just need a touch up. Even those little old fibro cottages. 
the last two. <laughs> for the right buyer in the right area, right? Yes. You think about areas like Hilton, like yep. in Quinana. These places have quite a bit of that and the market is amenable to that product. They definitely are. They love the character and it's actually quite desirable. And it's funny that the buyers you can actually pick up with property like that. It is quite niche. Most buyers wouldn't go for a fibro house, but if you can present it really well, a lot of romance to the way that it's presented, you pick up a couple of those buyers who just fall in love with the, the storybook idea of the place and pay way overs. Yep, I agree. One pushback that I guess people would have right now when it comes to project managing your own renovation, getting all these trades involved, it's sort of like the block. We've found, especially in the building industry right now, that it's very hard to engage tradies they're too busy they're too burnt out they're really not interested in a lot of the small jobs because they've got enough of the big jobs for the next couple of years Mm -hmm. how are you finding that relationship with your guys yeah i'm finding it a little bit different than that actually and so i quite often say to people don't be afraid of trade shortages if that's going to be the thing that's going to stop you from doing a renovation because when you're doing a cosmetic renovation their job in that house isn't a huge job. It might be a two-hour gig in and out. That's it, or it could be a half day, or it could be even a full day, but they can usually quite easily slot you in amongst their bigger jobs. It's almost like a, a myth in a way that there's trade shortages because they're definitely around and they're really happy to slot you in. Just for example, at the beginning of last year, I did a renovation in Callista, and that was when all the media hype was about the trade shortages. It was over Christmas. We finished the renovation in seven weeks. We didn't have a problem getting trades. That's probably the best example we can give. That's probably as hard of a time it would have been at any point in a cycle over Christmas to get trades through. Mm. And if, if you're finishing a renovation like you've described today in seven weeks, then anyone should be able to get that done, even if it took you three to four months on mm-hmm. your first one. We've spoken about the level of organization you've got. You've got a team, obviously, of people that these days you can call up straight away. A, a Rolodex of, of all these different trades. If Steve's not available, Bob will be in all these categories you've got your spreadsheet obviously and i think that's really important for people is, just, is to make records of all the expenses and keep updating keep refining I so totally that we've agree. we've yeah. not only understood costs but options time frames bundling different works together that you know the, the fencing guy might be able to do the earthworks might be able to do the landscaping the tiling guy might be able to do some plastering or the, that can obviously work out for getting some volume discounts on work too but what i would suggest is people really start getting scientific about this work yes it is a creative space yes there is upside in the creativity and the design of it but really just like development it is one that is all about the numbers at the end of the day if you're not tracking this religiously you'll go through all this work learn some lessons but actually not make a dollar yeah yeah absolutely spot on with everything that you've just said Trent and that is the thing like people sort of think oh I'm an interior designer I love watching the shows when they're not actual interior designers they like interior design I should say and so they think that renovating for profit is something that they should do but really the skills need to be the research, the numbers, the tracking. It's not as sexy as it looks, is it? It still can be. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of it is that serious black and white. Absolutely. Side. You have to have both. Yeah, yeah. Julia Anglesey, Renovating Made Easy. Thank you very much for coming in today. Uh, look forward to hearing more about how Waikiki ends up and whether you get that North Perth property in the next uh, cycle. And it'd be lovely to hear from you how some of the success is, is rolling on in Western Australia in renovation. Thanks so much, Trent. I've really loved talking about renovations and the process. Thanks for inviting me on. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. 
If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!